Hey guys, I had cold brew this morning and I feel like I can see atoms and feel electricity. So if I seem a little crazy today, that's why. Um, my mom got me a cold brew pitcher from Pampered Chef for Christmas and it's probably not the healthiest decision for me. But when have I cared about that? Um, yeah, if you ever need anything from Pampered Chef, get a hold of my mom, Jennifer Hallier. Pampered Chef consultant. Um, Mom, you owe me something for plugging you right there. Um, today, we're going to go over Samuel Little, um, the uh, America's worst serial killer. Um, I decided to do this because he just died. I don't know if we should be happy about that. Yeah? I mean, maybe? Anyways, today I am crocheting this... Last episode, I was crocheting, like, the color-blocked cardigan, but I finished that, and I'm not too happy with it, but I'm never happy with any project I make because I am not nice to myself. Um, but now I'm making this, like, color-blocked sweater. It's, like, an oversized crop sweater. I'll post a photo. You guys will see it. It's fine. Okay, let's let's get down to business. So Samuel Little just died on the 30th of September or December, but it was only announced either like the night of the 31st or early morning of the 1st of January. Oh yeah, uh, happy 2021 guys. It, yeah, I don't know. So just for a quick reference, he was an American serial killer slash rapist who was convicted in 2012 for three murders, but he, he did he did a lot more than just that. So, although the trial that put him away was the one over the three women, he claimed to have killed 93 women, and he was only linked to 60. And he was confirmed 50 of those 60 that he was linked to. Um, not only, but like, compared to the original numbers only, because only, 50 is a lot. 50 is not only. <laughs> um... Side note, the FBI claimed that he is one of the only serial killers who they completely believe um, his confessions. Like, they believe that his confessions are credible. And they single-handedly named him the most prolific serial killer that the U.S. has ever had. Um, I don't know if I'm just living under a rock, but I, like, look up murders and ser serial killers all the time. And uh, I've never heard about him. So either I'm dumb or he's actually not the most prolific serial killer. You decide. He was born on June 7th, 1940, so he was a Gemini. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> just kidding, I love Geminis, it's fine. Um, Y'all are just kind of crazy sometimes, it's okay. So Samuel Little claims that he strangled his 93 victims between 1970 and 2005, but many of his victims were deaths were originally ruled as overdoses or accidental deaths. Just wait till I get into like the process um, and like the murders themselves, and you'll be like, "How did this man get away with all of this?" I yeah, uh, some of the bodies weren't ever found. Can you just stop for a second and think what I'm thinking? Like, there's there's bodies out there, a lot of bodies out there that have never been found. And if I had to think it, you had to think it too. So, you're welcome. Um, Samuel was born in 1940 to a sex worker. We call them sex workers. The article said prostitute, but we don't call them that anymore. 
a sex worker in Reynolds, Georgia, but soon after he was born, to his, the small family moved to Lorraine, Ohio, where he was raised by his grandmother. Um, I, I don't know if it's always this way, but I feel like there's a giant correlation between people that turn out to um, kill people and the ones that were raised by not their birth parents. Don't quote me on it. I'll do my own research. You do yours. But I feel like in a lot of cases, that seems to be the the situation. So he attended Hawthorne Junior High School, which sounds really familiar to me. And I don't know why. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know why. But it kind of reminds me of Stranger Things. And I've only watched like three episodes of that show. Don't kill me. Um, I feel like the high school's name was Hawthorne. I don't know. Anyways. Um, He had many behavioral and discipline incidents at that high school, and after being convicted of breaking and entering in 1956, he was put into juvie. In in his late 20s, Samuel moved to Florida with his mother, where he worked as a cemetery worker. Yep, he, he did that. And he also claimed that he was an ambulance attendant, but that was just by his own claim. Like, that was never, um proven but like the earlier fbi articles said they believed most of his confessions um at this time is when he started traveling and had more run-ins with the law being arrested in eight states for crimes such as duis fraud shoplifting solicitation armed armed robbery aggravated assault and rape he's he's a great guy obviously Uh, To get into his earlier crimes, we'll start off in 1961, when he was sentenced to three years for breaking into a furniture store, and he was released in 1964, but by 1975, he had been arrested 26 times in 11 different states for the same crimes listed earlier. Go him. In 1982, he was arrested in Mississippi, charged with the murder of 22-year-old Melinda Rose LaPree, who had gone missing earlier that year. The jury declined to indict him, him for the murder, but under investigation, he was transferred to Florida to be brought to trial for the murder of 26-year-old Patricia Ann Mount, whose body was found in September of 1982. Witnesses identified him in court as the person who spent time with Patricia the night before her disappearance, but due to the mistrust of witness testimonies, he was acquitted in January of 1984. He just kept getting away with things. And I'm pretty sure that happens with a lot of serial, like, super big serial killers. Like, they just, they just keep getting away with things. I, I don't know. In my criminology class that I had a couple semesters ago, we talked about how, like, what makes a serial killer, kind of. And there was, there was a lot to do with the way that they were so charming. Like, even if they weren't attractive, they had this, like, charisma about them that could make them get away with things and I just feel like that's true in a lot of situations he then moved to California where he stayed in San Diego in October of 1984 he was arrested for kidnapping beating and strangling 22 year old Lori Barros who ended up surviving thank goodness and one month later he was found by police in the backseat of his own car with an unconscious woman who was beaten and strangled in the same location that he had done it to Lori And it's almost, like, when I read that, I was like, 
it's almost like he wasn't successful there the first time, so he had to do it there again to, like, complete something in his brain. Ew. I don't know. Um, he served two and a half years for both of those crimes, and then he was released in February of 1987, where he immediately moved to Los Angeles and committed over ten more murders. Thankfully, though, he was arrested on September 5th in 2012 at a homeless shelter in Louisville, Kentucky, and sent to California to face a narcotics charge. After which, the authorities used DNA testing to establish that he was involved in the murders of... I'm gonna butcher these names. I think it's Carly Eileen Elford, um, who he killed on July 13th of 1987. Guadalupe Duarte Apodaca, um, who he killed on September 3rd, 1987. And Audrey Nelson Everett, who he killed on August 14th, 1989. All three of these women were killed and later found on the streets of L.A., which caused him to be extradited to L.A. and be charged with their murders on January 7th, 2013. Just a few months later, though, the police said that he was being investigated for the involvement in three dozen murders connected or committed in the 1980s, um, which then, which up until that point had been disclosed, undisclosed. In connection with the new circumstances in Mississippi, the Lepre murder that he was not charged with, um, that case was reopened, and in total, Samuel was tested for the involvement of 93 murders of women committed all across the U.S. He was tried for the triple murder in September of 2014, where he was prosecuted, where the prosecution pres- presented the DNA evidence as well as testimonies of witnesses who were attacked by him at different times through his criminal career. And I had read criminal career and thought to myself, like, that's disgusting. You know, normal careers, we go out, we train for a job, we we better the environment, we better the society. Um, being a criminal is not a career, but I had no other way to describe it. Um, yeah. So on the 25th of that same month, he was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment with a pos- without the possibility of parole. Parole? Goodness. That cold brew is kicking in. Um, before his recent death, though, he was serving at the California State Prison in L.A., and he died from a combination of age, diabetes, heart problems, and many other health conditions. And I also read somewhere that he was, he was using a wheelchair um, at the end of his, like, crime spree and in prison, but I don't know because I couldn't find that anywhere else. Um, I'm getting most of my information from FBI.gov, and they have actual videos of him confessing to each of the murders that are posted for, like, anybody to view. Um, It's both really intriguing and also disgusting at the same time, so I'm about to start reading through some of the confessions, and that is going to be the basis of the rest of this episode, so if you don't think you can handle that, I get it, and they will, there will eventually be lighter episodes that you might be able to handle. Um, how light can they really get? It's it's murder. So yeah, I'm going to take a quick break, drink some more cold brew, bad decision, and we'll get into the confessions. Okie dokie, we're back immediately for you, but a pee break and a coffee break later for me. So, an unmatched confession in Miami, Florida, in 1971 or 1972, the victim's name was Mary Ann, spelled either M-A-R-Y space A-N-N or M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E. She was an 18 or 19-year-old transgender black woman standing between 5'6 and 5'8, 
weighing around 140 pounds. Samuel met Samuel and Marianne met at a bar called the Pool Palace and a few days later met again at another bar where he offered to give her a ride home. Marianne allegedly lived with several other roommates and when Sam was dropping her off, one of the roommates asked if they could go buy a can of shaving cream so they got back into the car. He ended up driving her out in the middle of nowhere, killing her and dumping her body in a thick in thick muddy water. He doesn't believe that she's that her body has ever been found. Um imagine how that roommate felt like ugh. So the second unmatched confession is in North Little Rock, Arkansas between 1992 and 1994. The victim in this case was a 24-year-old black female who was around 200 pounds, standing at 5'6 or 5'7. Samuel said that he stayed with the woman for three or four days and shoplifted with her. Then she would sell the merchandise. So he remembers it being snowy when they met and that it was sometime in winter, but he just can't remember the year. Um, I've obviously never murdered anyone, but how does he remember, like as we get into the different confessions, he remembers so many specifics that only the murderer would know because the cases were never put, I, I don't know. It's just... I don't know how he, how he remembers all the specifics of every single woman. Um, he then goes on to say that he was arrested for shoplifting in a North Little Rock Kroger store. And the records do back this up. But he was released three hours later to move his vehicle off the store's property. He stated that he then returned to his vehicle and the woman was sleeping inside. So he drove her to her ex-boyfriend, Bear. And then he drove her back to her house. He came back the next day and drove her to Benton, Arkansas, where he strangled the woman to death and hid her body on a pile of branches and old corn stalks. He said that he could not remember her name, but it could have been Ruth, and that her mother lived in North Little Rock. It's so sad how close these people were the whole time to being found, and they were just never found, or even if they were, they never received their timely justice. Like, their families have probably, not that you can ever move on, but their families are probably like, They've already dealt with that, and to bring it back up and be like, okay, well, we found the killer, that just opens up a whole new level of grief. I don't know. Also, to think that they just, like, they were like, okay, you can just go move your car, like, go ahead, and then he just goes and murders. I hate the justice system system sometimes. Oh, sorry, my laptop. I hate the justice system sometimes, all the time, most of the time. <laughs> Another unmatched confession in Covington, Kentucky in 1984, Samuel stated that around 1984, probably in the summer, he was driving from Lorraine, Ohio to Cincinnati. While on his way, he met a 25-year-old outside of a strip club. He claimed that she was around 5'6 or 5'7 and about 130 pounds. Um, he also described her as having a hippie-like aura to her. She had short brown hair, short blonde hair, and blue eyes, and approached him asking for a ride to Miami, Florida. Samuel said that they drove on Interstate 75 and reached Cincinnati, spending some time together downtown. Um, I didn't write this down, but when I was watching the confession videos, it, he said something about pulling off because there was a festival, and she saw it and was like, oh, I want to go, like, take me there. And I just feel like she was so, I don't know, she, like, it's really hard not to develop like a personal connection to the victims when I researched these cases and stuff. And I just viewed like my younger sister, Jaden, 
because she loves festivals and stuff and she I love her but she <laughs> sometimes doesn't always make the smartest decisions as all of us do um but I could totally see her being like yeah just give me a ride to that festival and like it's so crazy how these people could have been people we know it's hard not to get emotionally attached to these cases and it sucks but it's so interesting anyways they continued driving together across the river into northern Kentucky where he describes di driving into a hilly area not far off of I-75 he drove up a small dirt road strangled the woman in the back seat of his car and left her body on the top of the hill another unmatched confession in Las Vegas Nevada 1993 in 1993 Samuel was driving to LA when he met a black woman in Las Vegas. He said that she was thin and dark-skinned, around 40 years old, and he believed that she was wearing a long-haired wig but had naturally short hair. He remembered her pointing out her son, a black male who was around 19 or 20 years old, and he confessed to taking her to a motel room and strangling her to death, where he then put the body in the trunk of his car and drove to the outskirts of Las Vegas where he rolled the woman's body down a steep slope. He threw her clothes out further down the road, and it is highly likely that her body was never found. How did nobody ever see him do this? Like, carrying a dead body out of a motel room, or when he was driving out far, like, to far abandoned places, dumping the bodies. When I was in high school, my friends and I would get into my little 1992 Honda Accord, Rosa, loved her, um, and we would just, like, drive, you know? We'd fill up my gas tank for, like, 20 bucks worth of gas. And we would just drive to, like, random places. I, I feel like we weren't the only friend group that did that. And that definitely isn't something that just started happening. Like, I feel like back then there was less to do. So how was he never seen by people just, like, passing by? I don't understand. Another unmatched confession in New Orleans, Louisiana... In 1982, around autumn, he met a black female in New Orleans at a nightclub. He said she was around 30 to 40 years old and taller than average and weighed about 160 pounds with honey-colored skin and long hair. The woman told Samuel that she was living with her mother, who was sick, and that the woman, the woman then gave Samuel the keys to her house. No. No. <laughs> no. Samuel drove the woman to the Little Woods exit off of I-10 where he turned down a dirt road turned down a dirt road along a canal that was being dredged whatever that means um my dad will probably hate me for not knowing what that means but they got out of this out of his car where he pulled the woman towards the canal and drowned her in the water he said that he left her in the water and drove back to the motel he was staying in Mississippi I hate drowning stories I've talked I think I've talked about it previously in a episode before this that like drowning is one of my biggest fears i hate water i've always hated water i like like i swimming in a pool doesn't scare me at like that bad um if it's nighttime it's different but like i can go to my dad's house and get in the pool with no problem but like the lake absolutely cannot um this actually this or 2020 in june was my friend lauren's bachelorette party and that was the first time since i was like eight years old that I've been in lake water like I jumped into the lake and I was also highly intoxicated which is not safe do not be intoxicated in water not that weekend was a mess but I don't know Th that doesn't matter we're talking about murders okay <laughs> so those were all the confessions that I 
accumulated from the video confessions of him but now I'm going to read off his confessions that weren't filmed and there is a lot so I will not blame you if you skip through this um it's going to take a minute but this is going to be like the last part of the episode so if you're leaving now bye um but if you're not leaving now and I would love that if you stayed and listened because I feel like the victims need to be um spoken about you know um okay here we go a hispanic woman in her 40s killed in 1988 or 1996 from phoenix arizona this one was matched to a jane doe a black female in 1984 between 28 to 29 years old killed in memphis or picked up in memphis tennessee and killed in west memphis arkansas a black female in 1820 1823 i need to lay off the cold brew a black female between 18 and 23 killed in 1984 in san bernardino california um this next one is 15 females in la california um starting with a black female in 1987, a black female in 1987, a black female aged around 19 in 1987, a black female aged 50 in 1987, possibly called Granny, a black female in 1987 around 23 years old, a black female in 1987 around 26 years old, a black female in 1990 or 1991 around 45 years old, possibly called Alice, a black female around 21 in 1991 or 1992, a black female in 1992, a black female in 1992 or 1993, a Hispanic female in 1992 or 1993 around 25 years old, a black female in 1996 around 24 years old, possibly called Sheila, a black female in 1996 around 24 years old, um, possibly called T-Money, sorry my stomach is growling, (laughs) a white female around 24 years old in 1996, and lastly, a black female around 25 years old in 1996. Um, ugh. So that was the end of the LA murders. So in Homestead, Florida, a white female was killed in 1970 or 1971. A black female in 1971 going by Linda and was around 22 years old in Miami, Florida, along with Marianne from earlier another black female around 28 in 1972, and another black female in 1970, possibly called Emily, who was around 23 years old. A matched Jane Doe, possibly named Sarah or Donna, a white female around 25 to 35 years old in 1971 in Kendall, Florida. In Fort Myers, Florida, a black female in 1984. In Tampa Bay, Florida, a black female in 1984. In Plant City, Florida, a black female in 1977 or 1978. In Savannah, Georgia, a black female in 1974 around 23 years old, along with a black female around 23 years old in 1984. A black female around 38 years old in 1981, along with a black female around 24 years old in 1984, both in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, This one was also matched to a Jane Doe, a black female around 40 in 1977 in Macon, Macon, Georgia. Obviously, I'm not a geography person. (laughs) 
Another match to a Jane Doe, um, a black female around 28 in 1980 or 1981 in Dad, Dad County. I feel like that Dade, Dade County, Georgia, not Dad County. I love typos. A black female who was possibly, who possibly went by Joe between 1976 and 1979, around 26 years old. A black female around 1976 in East St. Louis. Louis. <laughs> One Direction is bleeding into all categories of my life, and Cold Brew is making my brain melt. Um, East St. Louis, Illinois. In New Orleans, Louisiana, a white female around 33 to 44 years old killed in 1982. She was also linked to a Jane Doe. Um, I love when cases get linked to Jane Doe's. I feel like every victim deserves a name and a place and a everything, you know? In Monroe, Louisiana, a black female around 24 killed between 1987 and 1990. In Prince George's County, Maryland, Maryland, a white female around 23 was killed in 1972 and she was also linked to a Jane Doe. A black female in Gulfport, Mississippi was killed around 1980 and 1984 and was 22. A black female around 40 was killed in 1993 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Black female killed in 1974 in Cincinnati, Ohio. In Willoughby Hills, Ohio, a black female between 20 to 35 years old was killed in 1982. She was also matched to a Jane Doe. In Charleston, South Carolina, a black female was killed between 1977 and 1982, around 28 years old. In Knoxville, Tennessee, a black female around 25 was killed in 1975. And last but obviously not least. Um, in Houston, Texas, a black female was killed between 1976 and 1993. She was around 23 or 27 years old. <sighs> Take a breath, everybody. Take a breath. Um, watching his confession tapes was so, I'm gonna say it, chilling because you can totally tell by his body language and the way he was acting that he definitely wasn't lying. Like, he wasn't making this stuff up. He was smiling while reciting how he killed the women and disposed of their bodies. And it, it wasn't even like he was smiling as in it was funny. He was smiling as in like he was remembering like a fond time he had in the past. As, as one of us would remember like playing with our siblings when we were younger. Or going on a vacation with a friend. Like it's messed up. And if you have the guts to do so I would go and watch them because... It, it reminds you just how cruel people can be. Um, we all need to go to therapy now. Um, and if you can't afford therapy, go make yourself some cold brew. <laughs> or don't. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Augustine or at Crime and Crochet Podcast. Or Crochet and Crime I love that I can't remember my own podcast name. I did that with my friend Jenna the other day. I was like, um, what is it called? But yeah, I'm going to go work on the rest of the sweater. Actually, I need to go to the store and get laundry detergent so I can do laundry. Everybody, don't kill people. Lock your doors. Don't talk to creepy men. Have a good day. Bye!